Hi, I'm Jamie Winkup. Hi, I'm Dick Johnson. Hi, I'm Garth Tander. You're listening to the V8 Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. Will Davison confirms he's in at Erebus. You know, I go on with my new venture now and uh, put my head into it and uh, hopefully I can make it work. Sinclair goes to Nissan and the Gears to Daytona. It's all coming up today as the red lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, this is Will Davison from the Pepsi Max crew for Performance Racing, and you are listening to the V8 Insiders. Over the next two weeks on the V8 Insiders, we'll have a series of special programs for focusing in on various roles women have in motorsport and ask the question, when will we see the next V8 female main game driver? But first, here's the news brought to you by Nobrac Carbon Fibre Products. Check out the entire range today at www.nobrac.com.au. Will Davison has been confirmed to be joining Lee Hullsworth at Erebus Motorsport in 2014. The team announcing this week that he has signed a long-term deal which sees him become the first main game driver in V8 Supercars history to drive for three different marks. You have driven for both the factory forward, factory Holden teams. Does leaving FPR feel any different to when you left HRT? Yeah, I mean, it does. I mean, I'm still proud to have driven at HRT, but, um, you know, that was pretty challenging circumstances in 2010, and, uh, um, yeah, it's certainly different here. It's, it's really from, from start to finish of this relationship, um, give or take some, you know, difficult negotiations for a bit of time. Um, it's been, it's been, a, it's been, you know, an absolutely perfect relationship. I've, I've absolutely loved my three years. It's been incredible people here. I'm, uh, you know, very grateful for the support and the equipment they've given me to, to achieve some fantastic race wins in the last few years. So, um, you know, we've achieved some, achieved some magic things together, and, and we we send off now, um, you know, very close and and in great terms, and that that means a lot to me. Um, so, you know, I go on. My merry ways. It is a business. Unfortunately, we didn't come to an agreement, but um, that's that. Everyone's um, shaking hands, and um, you know, I go on with my new venture now and uh, put my head into it, and uh, hopefully, I can make it work. Alex Premer has announced that he is parting ways effectively immediately with Gary Rogers Motorsport, saying that he will be pursuing other opportunities. This now confirms the second Volvo factory seat is in play with many Australian and international drivers hoping to get the nod for the drive. Scott Sinclair, who left HRT at the end of the season, has announced that he'll be joining Nissan Motorsport as the team's general manager racing operations. Sinclair, who won a championship with James Courtney at DJR before moving to HRT, now replaces Rob Crawford, who is pursuing other interests. 
Shane Van Gisbergen is this week impressing with his first test in the Alex Job Racing Porsche 911 GT America at the Daytona 24-hour practice session. The race is on January 25 and 26 on the famed High Bank Speedway Road Course. 15 hours of the race, including the start and finish live, will be on Speed TV if you're subscribing to Foxtel. Tony D'Alberto has also picked up a sports car ride with the Vicious Rumours racing Ferrari 458 squad for the Liquid Molly 12-hour in February. He also joins 10 other V8 supercar main game and enduro drivers already confirmed for the event, with more expected to be announced in the weeks leading up to the start. That's the news on the V8 Insiders, brought to you by Nobrac Carbon Fibre Products. Check out the entire range today at www.nobrac.com.au. That's N-O-B-R-A-C.com.au. After the break, we have our special roundtable with the women of Australian motorsport. News on the V8 Insiders is brought to you by the official V8X Magazine Facebook page. Sign up and keep in touch with V8 Supercars. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You've watched the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Craig Lance. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders and joining us this week we have a fantastic panel from the Women of Australian Motorsport Committee. Betty Klemenko, thank you very much for joining us. Oh, it's a pleasure. Belinda Taylor, the chairperson of the committee, thank you. Thank you. Philip Iguana. Hi, Craig. Alicia Kelly. Hi. And Caitlin Wood. Thank you for having me. Belinda, the, the committee, when did it start? So essentially it started in 2010 when Leanne Tander was appointed Australia's delegate to the FIA Women um, in Motorsport Commission. Basically she came back from that meeting and uh, formed the committee here in Australia and it has you know, since grown. We're a, a committee of women involved in many different areas of the sport and uh, our aim is to look at how we can increase the participation of women. So we don't essentially have a members or supporters database. We have women as we have sitting up here that are involved uh, and I guess support that whole notion of um, getting more women involved. Now since that time you've gone on to be the Australian delegate. Are the discussions that you have at the FIA level across the world the same problems as we see in Australia or the same issues raised as we see in Australia? Yeah, look, it's really interesting actually to see what's happening in various countries and uh, I'm pleased to say that Australia really is leading the way in terms of showing that nothing's impossible. We've got women at all levels uh, in many roles and, uh, I, and our committee's been very active on trying to showcase that. And uh, so we're certainly able to present that what Australia is doing does prove that when you don't have certain cultural or social barriers that uh, anything really is possible for women. Mm. Betty, you're in a number of different industries as well as motor racing. Is what you see women in motorsport trying to uh, achieve and trying to break through similar to what you see in other aspects of business and life? It's, uh, it's a tad different. Uh, in motorsport, I find that I'm taken as a person first. Can I do the job is the first question. 
then I think it's like, oh, the job can be done by a woman. I think that's a surprising thing. They think that only men can do certain jobs, and we've proven... I mean, every girl is... I'm a woman, but every woman and all these girls have proven that a woman can do whatever she sets her heart out to do. And I have more problem in the property world than I do in motorsport. Is that a uh, common feeling? Caitlin, you're a young driver trying to make your way up. Do you feel like there's any different pressures on you or any other pressures on you being a, a female driver? I don't think there's any in particular pressure for being a female driver in motorsport. I suppose because we are a minority in the sport, a lot of people become surprised and it's really great because so many people are really supportive with that surprise. But you also do get the people that are, you know, set in their ways that because motorsport is male dominated, but I don't have any other pressures because I'm just a, another racer out there, so it's really good. Mm. Now, Philippa, you've worked in the media, you've worked in Viet supercars, in publicity, so you, you've been across a whole different facet to what the others here have been. How have you found the changes that you've experienced in your time? I've got to admit, when I first started in the media centre as a, a journalist reporting on Australian motorsport and V8 supercars, I did fall into the mentality of, well, I am a, I am a chick amongst all these guys and a lot of men who have got 30, 40 years' experience as, as established journalists. I remember one of my first editors, um, he said, what do you want to be? And I said, I just want to be the best female journo in V8 Supercars. And he said, why the best female journo? Why can't you be the best journo full stop? And that was my wake-up call. I, I then had to change my thinking, going, well, yeah, I'm just exactly the same as everybody else in this media centre. I can still go after the same stories, still write the same you know, standard of features as those guys. So I think... We, we sometimes get a bit complacent in this environment that, that we put the focus ourselves as being females and we need to stop that mentality. We need to change our thinking to be successful. And once you do that, we can absolutely achieve everything. So there's, it, it, I, I think years gone by, there would have been more gender differences between how people perceived us, it was like an us and them between the girls and the boys. But I think now it's just become the norm. It's become accepted. It doesn't matter whether you are a team owner, you are a journo, you are in publicity, you, you are, are a driver. We're all just um, pushing the boundaries and proving that we can do it exactly the same way. So, yeah, it's taken a while for that mentality to change. And first, it's got to start with us. And once we start changing our own um, perception of what we can achieve, then, yeah, the sky's the limit for us. Mm. Alicia, you work in the front office of the supercar team and trying to, you know, trying to get everything organised, and I guess that's one area where we've seen the biggest increase of female participation. Yeah, look, I think the environment's changed a lot. I think that um, gone are the days where women are accessories at the front of the race car on the grid, just there to make the cars look pretty and to attract the guys. I think nowadays there are a lot more females coming to the track, a lot more females interested in racing, and beyond that, commercially speaking, a lot of companies now have female CEOs, and so those sponsors that are now involved in the sport uh, are more interested in seeing women doing more of a business role within the team. So we, um, we would love to have more women um, working at our team, but uh, unfortunately it's not something that's uh, attractive, I guess, to, to a lot of females. But certainly we'd love to um, increase that. Belinda, is there particular areas in motorsport where your group is focusing on trying to get more active participation? So my background's officialing. So uh, within officialing, we have 
you know, women in all roles from flag marshals, fire marshals, through to senior race control officials and stewards of the meeting as well. So, but I guess what we would really like to see is more women in senior and leadership positions. You know, there is certainly a, a reasonable participation, uh, you know, at the lower levels, but when you look at the numbers at those higher levels, it, it mirrors what happens in business and industry and on boards as well. So uh, we, we have... Uh, this year just run a series of workshops for senior officials and that was men and women working together looking at inclusive team building so we uh, WAMS rolled that out uh, in April uh, and that was very successful and had a lot of support from um, from men and women and I think just really it's about giving women confidence you know I, I know that uh, when I was first appointed as the one of the starters at the Grand Prix and a number of people came up to me and said oh you're the first female to do that that's amazing and I, I hadn't ever thought of it like that but I thought wow if I make a mistake uh, it's not because I'm human it's because I'm a female and I'll never appoint anyone any other female there again uh, but once I got over that you know that thinking and I think as Philippa said it is we have to you know, have that belief in, in what we can do, that we have got the knowledge, skills and talent to do the job and that's the priority, that we're there because we have those and not because we're a woman. Mm. Betty, has there been a, a culture shift around the hard-nosed former Stone Brother Racing guys? I actually have a different uh, experience to a lot of the women on the panel because I have jumped into the old boys club that everything else has, has been worked around. And um, at the beginning, I think there was a little bit of head-patting, like, good girl, you know, just be quiet, sit there, do what you're expected to do, take all your instructions from the men and you'll be fine. Uh, I didn't go along with that, and I've caused a lot of headaches, or as my husband calls them, track aches. Um, I've been a little cheeky trying to get my, my way, but uh, I've... You know, Ross has always treated me as another person. If I do a good job, pats me on the back. If I do a bad job, he says, got to sit down, Betty, we've got to talk. And it's not because I'm a woman, it's because I'm, I'm me. And I'm trying to learn about being a new owner, not an old boys club owner. And I think I'm trying to... I'm pushing the barriers a bit with the established owners, which is another story. It's not something you're afraid to do. Your nature oh. is very affronting and you, you, you just want to go in there and get it done and oh. become successful as quickly as possible. I think a lot of them have tried to not intimidate me but to kind of say, you're in the big boys club now, you know. And I say, yes, and I've got my big boy pants on. <laughs> um, I've, never, I've never shied away from anything and I'm quite happy to take a milk crate and stand there with the tallest man on the, in pit lane. And I know that I have to do that. That's... Not because I'm a woman, but because I'm a person that I must be strong and I must be out there for my team, not because, you know, I have different genetics than the man or the person across from me. Mm. I've got to yell like the, the rest of them. Mm. Now, before, Betty, there was one particular occasion I remember at Sandown at a, a pre-season um, pre test, and, Alicia, you might be able to talk about this because... Um, there was a meeting of all the team owners and the only female at that meeting was uh, Kobe Webb. And she was in probably a morbidly difficult position than, say, Betty because she wasn't seen directly as the person who's writing the checks or funding the whole process. And when you go into these meetings, you're not seen as the head of Nissan Motorsport. Well, no, well, that's, that's probably because I'm not. Like, I, I work for the team... Um 
that's that's my role. I don't um, feel like I own the team or run the team. It's not my um, it's not my business, I suppose. Like it's just something that I do um, because it's what we do as a family. So, um, but no, I definitely wouldn't be comfortable going into that role because I, I'm not across the whole business side of things. That's definitely Todd and Rick that um, that do all that sort of stuff. Obviously, there's times where you have to go as the representative of the organisation. Do you feel that you get the same respect as, as they would if they walked in the same room? Oh, no way. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but see, I find that funny. Like, I... I, I see a little bit of what, um, what, Betty, what Betty sees, where it's like, you know, they, they see you as being a little bit of a... Well, not, not Betty, obviously, but me, a little bit of a joke. It'd be like, oh, look, the little girl's... Oh, I had that. Thing. I had that. Like, <laughs> isn't that sweet? Um, yeah, but I think that's funny. Like, it, make, it makes me laugh more than being offensive. Carry a milk crate. Yeah, I know. I, I have to anyway. I'm like four foot two. <laughs> Our look at Australian women in motorsport continues after the break. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Hi, I am Alexandre Prema from the Fujitsu GRM team and you are listening to the V8 Insider. Welcome back to our look at women in motorsport. We continue our chat now with Belinda Taylor, Betty Clemenko, Philip Iguana, Leisha Kelly and Caitlin Wood. Caitlin, obviously being the youngest member on the panel here, <laughs> you've got a lot of hopes and dreams ahead of you. How can you use what these these guys all can bring to the table to help you navigate some of the pitfalls that they've they've gone through? Well, it's all about experience really um compared to everybody on this panel i am 16 so i don't have as much experience and that's just how i'm going to learn you just pick up things just because all of these ladies here they're all successful within motorsport and they've you know reached the benchmark and gone over it and to learn from that and have that support behind you it you couldn't really ask for anything more do you think that what the group is trying to achieve is going to make any difference on how far your career might go? Definitely, because we're trying to emphasise more women in motorsport and my dream is V8s at this stage and, you know, the more women within motorsport, you know, we're going to get noticed more and it's really a statistics game when I get my words out because, you know, there's not as many uh, ladies in the lower classes of motorsport, so we just need to bring up the numbers because, you know, more women progress through all the ranks and what these ladies on this panel are doing is amazing within motorsport and to be a part of that is, yeah. Philippa, where do you think the biggest gains can be made with what WAMS is trying to achieve? I think one of the biggest focuses that we have is just building that sense of community, that sense of support for the girls, because it can get lonely, it can get scary. Um, sometimes you might not have the right support network around to give you the confidence to say, yes, you can do this. And here are all the examples of all the women that are succeeding, because 
um, you, you try to keep positive. You try to, you know, like I said before, change that mentality so that, you know, there is no us and them anymore. And um, I think just making the women in this industry aware that there are others going through the same struggles, the same fights, trying to prove themselves that they can do the job, but also there to have a, gr a network of women to pat ourselves on the back because, it, you know, this is an ego game. This is a very egotistical sport and um, not often you'll get the boys saying, yeah, well done, Phil, you've done a really good job, so why not have our own network that, you know, we can all support each other and encourage us to, to push the boundaries even further. So, um, you know, you know, I, that, so yeah, that, that sense of support, that sense of community um, and knowing that um, you know, if we've got questions or having a, a mentoring group like if, like Caitlin, you know, to put her in touch with with uh, women like Leanne Tander and Sam Reed, who are on the WAMS committee as well, that she can ask questions about driving and further her driving career. And, and it's the same with the officialing with, with Belinda. If there are young volunteers that want to, you know, progress up the official ranks and, and, you know, be, you know, chief pit lane scrutineers or whatever it is that they want to do, to have, actually have access to women who've done that before and say, how do I do that? How can I be as successful as you? So that's extremely important for WAMS, just so that other women in the industry know that it's possible and, and have something to aspire to. So if if the little amount of work that we can do in our careers to show that it is possible and to say, yes, you can do it too, I think that, like Belinda said before, that confidence building is just so integral to, to you know, yeah, allowing more opportunities for women. Mm. Belinda, do you have any numbers about how many women are currently participating in motorsport in Australia? No, there's no one single database that gives us all that information. Uh, it actually, I think, has it's only been in the last couple of years that some of the forms actually now indicate the male or female. I think for a long time, um, you know, that that, that that wasn't really, you know, done as far as collecting statistics. Uh, but I suppose that you're in the process of starting to collect those to work with CAMS on collecting statistics. You know, we've obviously got statistics as far as, um, you know, on an event-by-event -event basis. Uh, and even if you look through the uh, program for, for this weekend, you see a number of women in chief positions, which is fantastic. Uh, but uh, so we're really just starting to get that information together and, and then perhaps use that so that we can see where, where we're building. Mm. I guess, is the statistical analysis of it important or is it just the getting the word out that there's places for women in motorsport in Australia? We think it's about getting the word out, you know. I think that mm. we'd rather spend our time doing that rather than wading through statistics and preparing reports about it. I think we're much better off being out there talking to people, um, you know, Philip has done some amazing work, you know, launching our YouTube channel. Um, we've got our Facebook page, we've, we've got our website, and we've just, you know, opportunities like this where we can have, have a conversation with other women from various roles. It's, um, you know, let's get the word out there. Yeah, and I think from a media perspective, you know, when I first started in journalism, there was Auto Action, Motorsport News, and this is before the internet. You know, I remember working on the Supercar website when it was first launched with Big Pond, and that was going back a fair way. And there weren't that many channels to promote women, and the girls racing were always competing. If Danica Patrick was doing something in IndyCar, yeah, sure, we'd do an amazing feature, and, you know, who's this chick over in the States doing crazy things with the boys over in, in IndyCar? But there, there wasn't that as many avenues to promote, and I think one of the things that WAMS wants to do is to let 
women and girls who are competing or involved in the sport get their story out, get their success stories. So whether it's profiling or doing you know, features on our, our WAMS website or on Facebook, letting the girls know that if you want a pat on the back, if you've won the National Hill Climb Champion or if, Championship or if you've won a state championship in go-karts, congratulations. That's amazing. Well done. Tell us about it. Let us share your story too. So, you know, we have, um, as Belinda was saying, as the, the delegate... Um, uh, for the you know women in motorsport commission over in the U in, in the Europe, um, a lot of people overseas are seeing what WAMS in Australia is doing now to get the word out. So not only is it beneficial for girls to share their success stories here in Australia, but there are eyes overseas watching, you know how we're promoting those stories too. So you never know where those contacts could lead <coughs> for their careers too. So that's an important focus that we're starting to build. So WAMS is. De develop the foundations. We now know where we've come from and where we need to go, and to be able to promote through your Facebook, Twitter, YouTube channels, doing stories on whether it's drivers, officials, whatever it is, just getting that word out. And hopefully, we can build that platform to promote a wider variety of women, not just your Danny Kapatricks or your Leanne Tanders, as you know, pretty much all we had, you know, five, ten years ago. Mm. Alicia, what about in this in motorsport? How many women are making up that team? Wow, we've probably got. Gosh, our staff numbers fluctuate depending on what's happening. We've probably got 60 staff, and of those 60 staff, there's three females. Yeah. I mean, but that's that's not because we wouldn't no. employ females. There's just, it, there's just not a lot of females out there that are interested in the mechanic role, you know, being engineers. Um, our females tend to, like, we've got obviously a lady on reception, uh, and we've got a lady doing all our bookings for hotels and accommodation, etc. There is no one working on the floor um, who is female, which is sad. Um, and I think that is a reflection on, on getting the word out there, you know, that, it, that there are females working in the industry, and there is room for more females in those, you know, male roles from, you know, back in the past. It's not like that anymore. No. Well, Betty made a high-profile poach in uh, <laughs> getting Janelle up to your team. You know what? She is amazing, and she's one of these women who... It's not... I'm not here because I'm a woman. You know, I'm here because I'm the best at what I do. And I was just having... A, there's, there's another woman in motorsport sitting down there, and, you know, we would not go forward without her. You know, she tells us where we have to be... Hello, Belinda. She tells us... We, I don't think that the whole team could run without her, but if you look back in time, there's always been women in motorsport, but they were called wags. Mm. And they were the wives that were doing the... cooking out the back for, their, for the men, rolling the tyres, and, you know, as they worked their way up the, the line of uh, motorsport, you... I still see it. You know, I go to the, the, the lower categories and... Um, you see the grandma out the back sewing up the suit, and these are all women that make up the sport. And unfortunately, people don't see it. They'll see, oh yeah, dad spent 50 hours putting the cart together. But yes, but mum and grandma cooked all the food, sewed all the suits, did everything else, and got them all there on time. And these are people that also need to be um, thanked because of what they've done for women in motorsport. And I know that we have five women in our. Uh, company, well, six, well, actually, no, about seven, if we go through all the, we have three states, so we try to, we don't try to do, we try to find the best person for the job, if that best, the best person is a woman, then she's taken on. Mm. And obviously, uh, we talked earlier, Belinda, about in 1976, 
women weren't allowed at the uh, pits, in the pit garages or the pit lane. I did sneak in. In, in the Indianapolis Five, for the Indianapolis 500, yeah, exactly they, had to change the, they had to change the rules to allow Janet Guthrie to be able to race in the race. So to think that's in all but maybe two of our lifetimes, that was the way motorsport was in the United States and to some degree, as you said, here. It has come a long way in 30 years. It has. I don't... Grid girls are a very big thing with with me and um in fact your team probably has the highest proportion and the most high and the highest profile of all the teams on the grid (laughs) because you've got the sp2 girls and you've had the haa girls um well next year we're going to big stuff teddy bears i'm going to put my son in it (laughs) it's really interesting though like i i I find the whole grid girl thing interesting because i think it's it's quite outdated and i think we do take you know, four steps forward and two steps back when we do that. And and one interesting example of that was we've got our gala night on Monday night and we all got sent an email to all the females, you know, of the sport asking uh, if we could be interviewed um, prior to the event about what, get one. about what outfits we were wearing. I'm like... I made mine with race tape. I'm like, I don't know what I'm wearing. And if I did, I don't really want to talk about it because it's boring. Like, I, it's, it's, we take... All these steps to to give females a role within motorsport and to be respected, and yet we take several steps back by, you know, putting them in front of the cars wearing nothing, and and you know this is your place in motorsport still, and it's just it's crazy. I got the email from the other side. Welcome the media to do interviews with the drivers and their girlfriends as they walk in. I'm going. What could be more boring? Do you know, it's, it's not wags anymore. It's wags, wives, <laughs> husbands. And girlfriends, because my husband is a, yeah. a wife or a wag, yeah. and the poor thing is the only one. He's <laughs> got the hardest job in the whole of V8 is to be a wife. Well, not, yeah. not a wife, but you know what I mean. The equivalent yeah. too. It's interesting. I just, uh, yeah. They don't ask him what he's wearing. wearing <laughs> they should ask him. They should ask him what, what kind of underwear are you wearing? Yeah. You know, to yeah. the to the gala dinner. Tajay. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. <laughs> we went through a period, didn't we, where, and particularly under Wayne Caddick, the end of, well, almost the end of Wayne Caddick, Wayne was getting rid of it. He said, it's enough, we've moved, we've moved on. And then I think what happened, and people inside know a lot more than me, someone went and signed a Forex deal. Mm. <laughs> uh, but you would know yourself, Felicia. It was, it was just about gone. Wayne was trying to drive it out of the sport. Yeah, I, I don't know why why it's uh, come back. I think um, perhaps I know Monster Energy. They're very big on their promotional girls, and then I think they get so much attention that the other sponsors then say, "Well, hang on a minute, we want to you know get in on it as well." But I know um, Jack Daniels, one of our big sponsors, they're generally speaking against doing it. I know we've got some girls here at this event, but they're wearing overalls um, and spreading the word of the sponsor rather than being at the front of the car with, you know... Six, six or seven years ago, though, you, you pretty much designed the Jack Daniels outfits to get them away from sort of the bikinis and, and the one-pieces. I just don't think there's a place for it anymore, and I think, I you know, V8 Supercars is, is, is now a family sport, and I think it's outdated and um, slightly offensive to females because I find, you know, you'll walk out on the grid and you know, to do your job and people automatically assume you're a female out there and it's like, oh, well, she's not, 
not looking that great today. Or, she, or you're you know, like, looking for a man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, well, hang on. I'm out here um, doing my job. You know, I don't want to be judged on, on what I'm wearing or, or, you know, what I'm not wearing or what I've got out and what I don't have out. Like, it's, I just think it's really outdated. Yeah, I was going to say, working in, at V8 TV, it's interesting to see the culture because you're right, at the end of the, the Caddick regime, when I was in my journo world, it was sort of trying to be phased out and then you get different CEOs come into the company and then you get different sponsorship deals signed with V8s and, you know, the host broadcast Channel 7. And uh, I used to have to walk around with the 4X Angels actually doing a lot of TV filming stuff. And um, the, it's interesting to see the different type of promotional girls. You're, like what Alicia said, is um, there are different uh, commercial uh, sponsorship companies out there that will dress the women classy. You don't need to show you know, majority skin and minority lycra to get the word out there for the company. But the past 12 months I've been working full-time on the Australian Off-Road Racing Championship and I only just realised at our end-of-year awards dinner at the last event there was not one female wearing a skirt, a dress, no promo girls all year and it was the first time in my 15 years in media that actually dawned on me that I haven't seen one promo chick all year in off-road racing. It was purely about the cars, the sport, the family, the environment, and what we're here for, for the actual sport itself. But, I mean, the off-road championship is totally different to V8 Supercars. V8 Supercars is not just about the sport anymore or the racing. It's about the entertainment value. It's about putting on the show for the fans. So they're different markets. But there is proof out there that there are national motorsport championships out there that can survive without promo girls, without that sort of sexist... This car don't have promo girls. Hmm. And they, they survived just fine. Absolutely. <laughs> I remember the VAs did not do themselves any favours last night. They went about ten years backwards. If anyone saw that show inside with the the gridiron lingerie girls, oh, yeah. which I honestly yeah. think they should have said, and it was early in the night, they should have said to the audience, uh, the next section could be a little PG if you have small young children, because I ended up with a, a thousand women running up to me and saying, Betty, that was terrible, that was terrible. My five-year-old's eyes were popping out of his head. And I'm like, yes, they should have announced that maybe young children should leave or the fact that the television only shows from the waist up, they could have been wearing a pair of jeans. But mm. they were wearing... Isn't it amazing, though, that the fans come to you and go, Betty? Yes. I didn't know. I actually, I actually yelled from the back of the crowd, that's so wrong. Mm. I mean... That's men making the decisions about it. And one was in a G-string, but she was, had a little flap of material over the back of it. And I'm like, now that really hides it. Yeah. And they didn't even... They only showed them from the waist up. They could have had them in shorts or... But then the next time I saw them, they were in shorts. Your message got through. Oh, loud and clear, especially when you go stomping up those stairs. <laughs> Belinda, what's, what's the next steps forward for the women of Australian motorsport and, and the committee? What's, what's the next goals you're trying to achieve? So basically we've, you know, established a, a number of, of signature events that we host throughout the year, one of them being the uh, Australian Grand Prix luncheon that we host in the CAMS platform on the Thursday of the Grand Prix. So we'll be doing that again um, this year and that's a really good opportunity to network within uh, not just motorsport but wider business um, community as well. So uh, we'll, we'll continue to do that. Also offer the uh, Junior Development Scholarship um, for which Caitlin is our current recipient. We will offer that opportunity for a young driver. Um, we also offer an exchange program to Singapore for an official, for a senior female official. So we'll be doing that again uh, as well. Um, and then also look to uh, at ways to promote 
women, you know, not just through our media and social media, but, um, you know, look where we can to, to profile people across various roles and disciplines. I mean, that's the thing that we're covering here. It's not just about covering one role or one discipline. We're trying to, to look at giving some profile across all levels, roles and disciplines within the sport. Mm. Well, thank you very much to Caitlin Wood, Alicia Kelly... Philip Guana, Belinda Taylor and Betty Clemenko for joining us here and uh, we wish you all the best with your endeavours in all different forms of motorsport that you uh, are attending to at the moment. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank Thanks. you. Yeah. The White Flag Lap is up next here on the V8 Insiders. To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Stay tuned for more. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Jonathan Webb from Techno Autosports, and you're listening to V8 Insiders. On this week's Munro Shock Absorbers White Flag Lab, Peter Norton caught up with Scott Pye following the final race of the year. Scott Pye, as we uh, stand here, seeing everyone packing their bags for the last time uh, for 2013. Uh, what would be your highlights for, uh, I guess, a, a character-building year would be a good phrase? Yeah, I think Bathurst has to be a, a standout for, for me. I mean, for anyone, really, that finishes inside the top ten there. But uh, no, there's, been, there's been quite a few highlights, you know. A few, obviously, I've made the highlights real. I've been, been known for a few other reasons. But, no, I mean, you know, Phillip Island was a great result for us. And, and really, in the last couple of rounds, I think the team moved forward. And, and I got a good relationship with the guys around me directly anyway but uh, obviously there was low points but but uh, I'd like to you know look back and remember some of the high points now. Around uh, the halfway point of the season as you said you were on the highlight reels uh, more often than you would have liked. Uh, how did that feel at the time and, and what's it like trying to regroup after a couple of setbacks like that? Yeah I mean all, all of those highlights were all mechanical dramas so uh, for me it was difficult I was uh, I, I wasn't doubting myself but at the same time it was uh, you know, I knew the car wasn't wasn't uh, what I needed, so it was just a matter of trying to work with my guys the best I could and get the car back to where it should be. And, and you know, I think towards the end of the year we certainly did that. Um, but yeah, you know, with the, the brake failures and all the other things that went wrong, um, yeah, we made the highlights real for all the wrong reasons. But yeah, we definitely uh, turned that around a little bit. I think at the end, and I showed that we had a good car, uh, we had decent speed, and, and you know, I could overtake as well. Starting from pit lane this weekend, you know, we moved up to 11th before I had a right rear hub brake. Um, so yeah, I think you know we show we we have good pace, and hopefully uh, next year with Dick Johnson Racing, I can do a great job. As a, as a young fellow trying to establish a long-term career in the sport, uh, w- were you worried that those highlights uh, uh, were major setback, and uh, were you worried about taking the next step? Yeah, of course. But for me, the environment was just so bad at that point in time. I was I was almost ready to walk away. It wasn't, you know, I, I race cars because I love it. You know, it's just something I've done since I was a child. I did it with my dad, and and uh, I want to continue to have the enjoyment for the sport. And uh, in the middle part of this year, it wasn't that that fun. I can tell you. But certainly now, I got to bounce in my step again. Obviously, I've signed a new deal, and you know, we had with those good results, the team, you know, they got behind me again, and uh, and I started to have a bit more faith in the car, which is is nice, but. You know, it's all about confidence in this game, and uh, and I'm certainly feeling a lot more confident this end of the year, which is uh, is good timing. You know, I'm ready to get straight back on the bike, get into my training, and uh, and you know, I want to 
come out at Clips Hill firing on all cylinders. When did the Dick Johnson deal sort of come together? Uh, was it mid-year that the, the foundation was placed when things were up, or no, was it more recent yeah. with the Bathurst result under your belt? Uh, yeah, more recent. I think it was pretty much after Phillip Island. You know, that race probably where we started from pit lane and, and uh, came through to 14th was a good one where, where we showed I had improved and learned a lot, looked after the car. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I know that there's probably a couple of teams which weren't confident they could get me just because of the Triple Eight connection. But, fortunately, you know, uh, DJR was able to, you know, strike up the conversation with Roland. And, and for my benefit, I'm, I'm there next year and the year after. So I'm, I'm extremely excited about that. But, but yeah, it was... Uh, it was news to me fairly recently. Um, I, I don't like to bother Roland about it too much. I trust he's, you know, he's the, the best guy to have on your side in pit lane, I guess. So I just trusted that he'd work something out for me if there was an opportunity. And, uh, yeah, I think this is the best-case scenario for me in the future. Now, Dick Johnson Racing, of course, have had a, uh, a few uh, uh, setbacks and things along the way, but they seem to be on the up as well. Yeah, exactly. I think it's a perfect time for me to be joining them. You know, we're both... Um, I think had a stronger part um, in the season. You know, we both sort of developed quite a bit this year, and now with Campbell there as well, and Steve Brayback is a, is a fantastic guy to have involved in the team, and and you know with Dick having his faith in me as well. It's um, yeah, I mean I'm, I'm excited about everything coming now. It's uh, it's it's fantastic to be with such an iconic team and also a team that's been doing so well this year. You know, obviously getting a race win in this category uh, can't be sneezed at. So you know it's uh, a team that I'm really excited about joining. What are your expectations for next year? Is it race wins? Um, yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I think that we're capable of winning races. Um, but for me, I just want to be cons- consistently inside the top ten. It's something we haven't really been able to do this year just because of a lot of different reasons. But for me, yeah, constant, consistently in the top ten and uh, in the championship next year, uh, you know, top 12 would be great. But, but, yeah, I'll keep pushing race to race and just see what we can do. Excellent. Well, all the best for next year. We look forward to uh, seeing you at the pointy end on a consistent basis. Thanks very much. Cheers. My thanks to Peter Norton and Scott Pye there and also to the women of Australian motorsport who joined us for the round table. Next week we have a great special once again on the show where we look at when will we see another female driver in the main game of the V8 Supercars. I hope you'll join us for that one. As the checker plate waves over this edition of the V8 Insiders, until next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.